I now know that I called you into my life and you're saying I love you and it's causing this feeling response in me that I'm not comfortable with. You're listening to Wild Creative, a podcast designed to inspire creative thought, enhance your artistic process, and excavate enriched understandings about art, culture, and yourself. I'm your host, Emma Kivetna, a creativity coach, artist, entrepreneur, and Sagittarius. I am joining you today from the traditional territories of the Mi'kmaq people in Nova Scotia, Canada. Without further ado, let's explore the wild creative. Hello, thank you for joining me today on Wild Creative. Today's guest is so incredibly special because he is my closest, dearest friend, James O'Connor. I've known James since grade nine, which was about 15 years ago. And over the years, we've kept in touch even when I moved away to an entirely new province at the other end of the country for eight years. We kept in touch. We are always messaging on Facebook constantly. And every few weeks or so, give or take, we have these really long three, four hour video calls, sometimes longer, to catch up on things and to ask for advice and to discuss things. We always have these really deep conversations. And James is just an awesome person. He is my closest friend, as I said, and I'm so happy that I got to do this episode with him. James actually visited me in person two weeks ago, and that's when we recorded this. We had such a good time. It was so nice to have him here and show him my new home and the town and the beaches, and we went shopping and we ate out for dinner, and it was just such a great time. Today, we covered various topics ranging from ways that James has developed his intuition to why it is that romantic relationships are so difficult and we talked about conditional and unconditional love and what it means to co-create with someone and he even asked me some questions about the creative muse and what exactly that is and he asked me about what are some of the pitfalls found in institutional teaching with creative writing. It was just a really fun, casual episode. So I will read you James's bio and then we'll get into it. James is a queer certified life coach with the Center for Applied Neuroscience in Ontario, Canada. He received his undergrad from the University of Toronto where he studied sociocultural anthropology and environmental studies. While there, James volunteered with the LGBT Out Drop-In Center and Peace by Peace, a student-run group offering grade 5 students peaceful ways of conflict management. As a life coach, James creates an empowering, supportive environment for clients who want to live a soul-affirming life. His methods combine the human energy system, spiritual laws, and intuitive readings. On his time off, you can find James playing guitar and filling up his museum in Animal Crossing. James joined me in person in my home in Nova Scotia. Hi, James. Welcome to Wild Creative. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. Congratulations on your podcast so far. Thank you. It's been really fun. I really like the format. 
So it's good. Let's talk about creating because you and I have talked about that a lot with regards to creating relationships, creating your life, creating yourself, co-creating with other people. So what does that word mean to you? Creating. I think in terms of us and like the conversation that we have, the first thing that I kind of think of is this term of embodiment. And I think for me, creativity is kind of hand in hand with embodiment because it's kind of comes from this place of like, what, what do I feel I need to do in this moment? Mm -hmm. As opposed to what do I think I need to do? Or what do I feel I'm expected to do? Yeah. And I feel like embodiment is so linked with intuition. Like our bodies and intuition are the same thing. Mm -hmm. So when you say being embodied, to me, that means really checking into your intuition as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know you have a really good intuition (laughs) about so many things. You're so intuitively developed. I never really, yeah, I never really thought of myself as intuitive, I don't think, especially being a Virgo. I feel like earth signs, to me, didn't really like scream intuitive. So I would say that yeah, when I was younger, I didn't really think I was super intuitive. But as I kind of grew older and learned to trust my feelings more, I think I've just been kind of falling deeper and deeper into uh, listening to my intuition mm-hmm. and my creativity. Yeah. And I feel like when we're young, it's hard to be intuitive anyway. Like, mm-hmm. Although that being said, I feel like some kids can be quite intuitive, but not know that that's what it is mm-hmm. because they're a child. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. And I think you and I are, were definitely kids who prioritized thinking, like logic over everything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like for us in particular, like to be intuitive wasn't really something that we let ourselves do. It was like not in, mm-hmm. at least it was not in my nature. Mm-hmm. I was very over, analytical, overthinking, trying to think my way out of things constantly, disembodied. It's funny how that like coincided with disembodiment, which mm-hmm. as you said at the beginning to you is to be embodied is to be like intuitive and and creative Mm -hmm. which is why i think it's kind of radical as adults for us to kind of choose creativity Mm -hmm. over top of what we kind of relied on as kids yeah Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so let's talk more about intuition since we're talking about that Mm -hmm. because there's so much there Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you talked about being a virgo and how that to you didn't scream intuition but now would you say earth signs can be intuitive or they are intuitive or anybody anybody has it in them to be intuitive i feel like yeah probably the last is that everybody has the ability to be intuitive just gonna have to follow the follow the signs Mm -hmm. yeah what what are some ways to become more intuitive that you've personally uh done that have worked for you yeah listening to the intuitive uh the emotional guidance scale was probably the big game changer for me it's kind of a way to give some weight to the emotions that we feel uh, so the idea with the emotional guidance scale is that kind of positive emotions are the ones that are kind of in line with who you're wanting to be, whereas negative emotions is a sep- becoming separated from who you want to be. So that kind of helped to explain it differently for me because, yeah, when I then when I'm feeling negative emotion, I then kind of am checking in with myself to be, okay, well, why do I feel that and how do I want to feel? So now I'm calibrating myself to feeling more positive emotion when I can. Right. So it's really about, for that kind of technique, becoming really self-aware in the moment as things are happening. Because one thing I feel about intuition is that depending on where you are in the moment, your intuition is going to give you different insight. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if you're kind of lower on... So the emotional guidance scale is the scale of 1 to 22, and at the top is happiness... Uh, joy, 
appreciation, gratitude, like high level knowledge. And then at the bottom is fear, powerlessness, grief, despair. And then in between is like a scale of uh, a hierarchy from that number one to number 22. Right. So yeah, depending on where you are on that scale, I feel like your intuition will give you a different response. And so as I was kind of calibrating myself to some of those higher emotional places, so I feel like from number one to number eight, uh, then I found that my intuition was kind of giving me the path of least resistance to things that were mo like better for me. Mm, so going towards what is wanted mm -hmm. always, or, or like at least realigning with that through your emotions because and that's kind of hard to do because to change your emotions means to change your thoughts really because mm -hmm. right? i know we've talked about that before a bit too yeah because the emotions is more of the like what are you feeling in the moment what can't what's not gonna lie like the body doesn't really lie the thoughts can so it's about kind of being like what are what's the body telling me and how is the thoughts translating my feelings or skewing them yeah, yes. or or driving them because like if you change your thought about something, you can change your emotion, your mood, basically. What are some other intuitive or um, techniques that you've used for growing intuition? I feel the separation between different voices in your body. Like, so I feel like a lot of people relate to these ideas as well, where you're talking about like what is your gut telling you, what is your heart telling you, what's your brain telling you. If you're thinking about gut, like where does intuition play within gut, heart, and mind? I feel like it exists kind of within gut and heart, maybe. But I guess learning to trust your gut more is a way to develop your intuition. Because, yeah, there's like some reason why you just like, I, I have this feeling and it's in my gut and it wants me to make this one choice. And it's like, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm just going to do it. Where at the, as I think like kind of, before I developed my intuition, I didn't listen to that voice. And then there's always a point where you regret it. Yeah, mm -hmm. all the time. So then when you listen to it, though, either it goes the way you wanted it to, or you're just like thankful that you listened to that voice anyway. Yeah, you can't really lose mm -hmm. if you listen to the voice. <laughs> mm -hmm. But then the mind always is there too and getting in the way often, but it also keeps you safe too. So like it's kind of, I feel like it's a balance between listening to your mind and your intuition and weighing the options. And something we talk about a lot when we're talking about writing is from that difference between, I guess, conscious and subconscious. Yeah. And so, yeah, like writing poetry is more of a subconscious act where it's like Im more embodied. Mm -hmm. Whereas writing like a structured uh, piece of prose, it requires more of that logic. Um, conscious thinking, mm -hmm. forward thought type mm -hmm. of brain. Yeah, for sure. And so then kind of when it comes to creativity, and writing when you kind of allow that creativity the again like that gut reason you don't really know why but you just have to do it then to see what it gets created then is really interesting and then getting out of the way of that too when it's happening is a skill i think that people aren't really taught how to do in uh, art classes well maybe they are i don't know but i certainly i don't think i really was <laughs> um but i think i feel like it's an intuitive thing knowing when to get out of the way of your creativity, uh, knowing when to turn off that thinking mind and when to tune in to like your body or your surroundings, or your subconscious. Yeah. If you, if someone kind of came to you with advice where they felt that they, they wanted to write something that they've been wanting to write for a while, but it just isn't flowing. Yeah. What would you kind of give them as a piece of advice? I guess I would have to know a bit more mm -hmm. about 
specifically them mm-hmm. in their situation because um, every, it's so specific to different people. Mm-hmm. It's not really one size fits all. Mm-hmm. But that being said, like a general kind of tip, I guess, the, or direction that I might go in is um, if someone is feeling kind of stuck in that way, journaling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> journaling is such a huge one because mm-hmm. journaling, and some people hate it, some people love it, but when you're journaling and, and you're uninhibited, you're, you're having a conversation with yourself, really. And I feel like some people, a lot of people don't get a chance to do that a lot these days because they're on their phone, they're looking at what other people are saying and doing, they're contributing maybe to the, that conversation, but like in meaningless kind of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing like deep. I feel like having deep conversations is a bit rare these days, especially deep conversations with ourselves. So taking the time to do that is, I think, really important. And journaling is one of those ways you can do that. You're uninhibited on the page. No one's going to read it. So you can say whatever you want. You can write all all the dark thoughts (laughs) or insulting things that are going on in your head about whatever. Or, you know, you can and you can write about all the, the things about your that you think about yourself and then like kind of start to unpack that. Yeah, I feel it's where you kind of walk around day to day and you're just mm-hmm. kind of are keeping it at this like shallow yeah. whatever is conscious. But then when you're actually like taking the time to just sit and allow yourself to stream of consciousness, just let it kind of all come out, then you're kind of actually starting to tap into that kind of creative yeah. Under, yeah. Under, underlying. Because yeah. I honestly, I think the answers to all our problems are inside all of us, mm-hmm. as cheesy as that sounds. But I do think that is the case. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a matter of going deep within to find that. And some people need help to do that, i.e. they hire a coach of some sort. And some people who are naturally more curious or driven to do it can kind of do it on their own. That's kind of what I did to get through my writer's block is I went inwards during a time when I had really nothing else to do. It was in 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Yeah, had had conversations with myself about writing, about my writing. Why is it? Why am I having this trouble with it? And I just asked all these questions, and all these thoughts rose to the surface that I hadn't thought of before. But that I also wasn't. There was no agenda either. I didn't. I didn't know what the heck would come of it. But this, just the fact I was doing it, the nature of doing that, having that conversation with yourself, it's something's going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. Like inevitably, something will. Do you feel there's a lack of that kind of? education when it comes to learning about writing and that conversation yeah definitely I certainly haven't seen that anywhere taught in like writing classes in school and I did take some at university Mm -hmm. one of my best friends has a creative writing degree and I'm sure she would say that that is like never come up Mm -hmm. she knows a lot about writing in the craft and editing but so much so now that she doesn't do it anymore because she's so stuck on what she's been told she has to do I think in from university and the workshops were a bit uh, scarring <laughs> for her, mm-hmm. so she actually doesn't write anymore now, which is like really sad. I I think like I'm sad for her. Maybe she disagrees, <laughs> but um, I think it's a shame that she went through all that trouble and that worth and has a creative writing degree and now is like not doing that at all, not even in her free time, like not even a little bit. It's almost like yeah, they didn't really set them up to be able to constantly pull from their center of creativity instead just being like just trust the process trust the system yeah trust what i'm telling you or or trust my experience or or whatever Mm -hmm. it is and that's all you need to know and it's like okay but 
what what do I do as a writer? Because the way I write is different from you writing. So like I always I've said it before, a lot of writing classes and courses teach you how to write, but they don't teach you how you write, mm-hmm. and that is unique to everyone. So yeah, I do think that's lacking in the creative writing teaching industry. It's a skill too to develop, but if you're not even aware that it's a skill to develop, you're never going to develop it, right? So I think that's another thing that kind of comes along with intuition and developing it. Also, in regards to the need for creativity and writing, I think is kind of through navigating the darker parts of life. Because ultimately, I don't think it's something that we really want to do. Navigate uh, the darker parts. Yeah, and as my work as a life coach, I feel like that's mainly what I'm trying to do with people is to help to talk about that in a way that's not really overwhelming for people and kind of gives them a sense of hope. But I think, yeah, writing is definitely a perfect place for people to start to process those types of experiences because it can come through in such a subliminal way. Yeah, like that, it it, it all comes from inside you. You're not getting any external out, like input. Mm You're not listening to somebody else and then writing. You're, you're listening to yourself. You're going inwards. And it's everything you do when you're journaling comes from within. So it's the answers you get from that method or writing in general, if you're writing fiction or poetry or whatever, is all from you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people will notice, writers will notice when it's not them because then it will feel inauthentic. Mm. It's like, oh, I feel like I'm um, mimicking this writer that I really admire, but I don't know how I write still, or I don't know what to write about. I'm just kind of copying what they wrote about to follow a trend or whatever, whatever it is. Like it's not authentic really. One of my favorite, favorite things that you've ever said is talking about the muse, like finding your muse, which I think is also connected to this too. It's like, what is the being inside of you that wants to come out? Like, what does it want to say? And how would you kind of talk about that in regards to navigating darker experiences that we've gone through? Like, where does the muse come from? It's been my experience that the muse is an anthropomorphized entity inside us that Mm. represents an inner part of us at that point in our life, um, a part of us that wants us, our human self in the outer world or whatever to transcribe what it's saying like it wants it's the part of you that wants to get something out of it like expel something either that or it's the part of you that it wants you to return to or a part of you that felt the most pure at a a different point in your life like I had a client once who when I asked her that question about like what I kind of explained to her what I think a muse is and then I asked her what when what's the first thing that comes to your head when when you think of your muse and she said that it was a, a younger version of herself when she was like a kid a child mm-hmm. and so we kind of looked at that a bit further and we kind of worked out that like her muse is um the younger carefree version of herself before all the hardships of adult life that mm-hmm. naturally happen when you're older it was the yeah it was the version of her that ha- that existed before all that happened and took over and she felt like her muse, like her child, was her child self, basically. And she just got this feeling. She remembered she had this memory of there's a photo of her when she was a kid. And she's like wearing like a hat or, or she's drawing or something. And she was saying how like she looked so happy in that photo. And she remembers when she was a kid that she wanted to be a writer and all this stuff. And um, and she felt so uninhibited. But now she doesn't feel that way. So I felt like 
to to translate that was kind of to say like, oh, well, maybe your muse is um, this young childlike version of you who just wants to write for fun. But she was writing this like really serious, like nonfiction book Mm -hmm. and it was really draining. And I'm like thinking like, well, that doesn't line up with your muse who, who just wants to write for the love of it and write for fun and like write in that more passionate, uninhibited way because the project she was working on was really draining. There was also some other stuff in her life going on that was really emotionally blocking her too. I feel like talking about intuition though, I guess should we really have a clear segue to this? Because the conversation that we're having around Muse and then also bringing it back to the idea of intuition, I feel like you can't quite know what your Muse is unless you're tuned into your intuition. Because when are you ever going to have a conversation with that like anthropomorphized version? Of yourself it's not right it's not something that just happens mm-hmm. out of nowhere because it's not tangible you're not like walking yeah. through your house and then you turn a corner and you see them there no yeah. it's like a totally in your head thing but it's not a made-up thing either it's like a it's an otherworldly like ethereal part of you mm-hmm. that exists inside you i think and i think over time our muse changes transforms and changes it's like a shapeshifter it changes into something else and Ooh, that's so good because <laughs> becomes something or someone else yeah. as, as you evolve and uh heal <laughs> and so for me i haven't really looked at my muse in quite a while so i don't really know what she looks like currently but i remember a few years ago when i th- was thinking about this and i like thought about my muse and tried to connect with like what is the muse like what the hell what is that entity that we always say like oh it's my muse i have no control over it what does that even mean mm-hmm. when i thought about that i got this vision in my head of this woman it was me wearing a black dark trench coat smoking at the very bottom of this cave and she was so cool and like like um dark and kind of moody mm-hmm. and she was sitting on this rock and she was like smoking and she just wanted she was like I just, the word that comes to mind was badass. She was very badass, but she was dark, in this dark cave, like just, she was in a cave. It was just so, I, just, I still have the vision in my head now, but um, that's what I initially came came up with when I thought of my muse. And so to me, at that point in my life, I, I did feel like the inner parts of me was in this like cave and had been in there for a while. Mm. And I was like scared to come out of it, scared of what was in the cave, and but also kind of trying to fight my way through it, which is where I think the badass kind of um, vibe came from. Would you say that kind of in your conscious life that you would describe yourself as a badass? I mean, I try to be. Yeah. <laughs> I've, other people have said I'm like that. I don't describe myself that way. I don't really think about it, to be honest. I just... But clearly, like, you're, this muse part of you kind of showed up really? as this badass version of... What, in Greece? Yeah. <laughs> bad Sandy? Bad Sandy, yeah. It was Bad Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> and she, it was me, but she had, like, dark black hair, a black, like, dark trench coat, and she was smoking. I don't smoke. I, ew. <laughs> I never will smoke cigarettes. <laughs> um, but, she, yeah, it was, it was just so vivid. Mm. And she was sitting there on the rock, and I just felt like she wanted... And I think the point of a muse is that our muse doesn't have a voice. They're not a body. They're not me in the conscious world. They don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. It's just an image inside of you. It's a feeling. It's a place. It's a time. And that thing, that entity, I think, is what wants you to transcribe what they have to say. And so she wanted me to talk about lots of things in my life that were more darker and things that I kind of wanted to get out of me for sure mm-hmm. um, and heal from and all this stuff. So at the time that made sense that she looked that way and had this like that dark sandy vibe to her mm-hmm. so 
I don't know what she looks like now. I'd have to like do another meditative kind of session and go inwards and like bring, you know, what's the word? Call her up, I guess. Mm -hmm. Invoke her. Summon. Summon her, yeah. And like see what she looks like now. Because that was like two years ago. I feel like she's definitely changed. I think that's a great thing for people who are listening to the podcast to do to kind of like just take a second and kind of like maybe check in, have a mindfulness moment and ask for the muse to kind of come up. Or at least to kind of start getting curious about that because maybe you don't know exactly what it is right away, but maybe you'll have like an inkling. Just the fact that you're even listening to this and have this thought in your head now, because I don't don't think people talk about the muse in this way, really. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's such an elusive thing when people do talk about it. And my point of that exercise that I was doing was I was trying to make it not elusive. I was trying to make it a identifiable. Yeah, it's very unique to your style of coaching. Yeah. So, and that's kind of how it evolved. So... Yeah, I think if you wanted to try this, I wouldn't get discouraged if you don't see anything right away or like envision something. Especially because we're kind of talking about who knows at what level of intuitive well, you are right now. Say, yeah, like, you it takes intuition, and at that time I had been doing other things to kind of develop some intuition, so it it came a bit more naturally to me in the moment. It was very organic. I really had no agenda with it. I didn't know what to expect. It just kind of happened. So you really can't think your way to it. That's what that's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a thinking exercise it's a it's a shutting off exercise of of the thinking which sounds strange but but the point is to not think up your muse it the point is to be open to what it might be and then it's the point is i guess to listen and to observe what comes up in you you're kind of being a anthropologist of yourself you know, you're being curious about yourself. Like, what is in me? What the heck is in me? <laughs> you know, like you want to know and you want to know because and you want to know because you know that knowing will help you. <laughs> and it could come up in so many ways. Like for some people, I feel like it might come up in a very specific yeah. image, but maybe for other people, it's a feeling like it's not even a person. Or it's a, a color feeling. or a scene. Like it could be anything. For me, it was a, clearly a, a doppelganger of myself. Mm hmm. And it could even, you could kind of think about like, what are the movies that I look back on and they resonate with me for some reason? Like you can kind of just start to like ease into it in that way. Like what are the themes that stick with me in my life? But this is all stuff that people could do kind of with the work of someone who is more intuitive than them. So like with a coach. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Is there anything else we want to talk about in relation to intuition? Because I do want to ask you about some other things, but. Well, I was going to say, speaking of, I've off of the conversation with the muse and we're bringing up this idea of like figuring out who you are i think sometimes it's conscious sometimes it's subconscious but for us i think it moves us into this idea of like what are the relationships in your life and who are the people who kind of keep coming into your life and how are they a reflection of like who you are who you're becoming um your creative version of yourself and that's something that you and i talk a lot about (laughs) on our on our own time is like relationships i feel like i mean because it's everything relationships are everything they are everything and why are they so hard (laughs) 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 because no one teaches you how to do them no one teaches you anything about like in school like they don't teach you those skills of developing interpersonal relationships Mm -hmm. or is it intra inter intra one of those but especially romantic relationships like because the main way that we learn about relationships is through the media like it's what are which is so skewed what are we yeah like what are we digesting as kids and yeah i I remember one of the spiritual teachers that i follow put it in that way of like we have never seen on screen 
a version of a relationship where like the people are mutually growing and learning at the same time. Like it's it's never that way. I feel like it's always kind of slightly dramatic. It's caricature. There's always climax where there's some type of betrayal. And then yeah. there's this ultimate like coming together again and forgiveness. So then I think we kind of learn that relationships need to be a little bit roller coaster like. Right. But they don't have to be. I don't think so. No, no. I think it's natural that there's some of that, but not all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. So what's, oh, so yeah, let's talk about relationships then. Yeah. There's a lot there. Let's talk about relationships. Co-creating with someone else. Cause that's a term that you've kind of brought up a lot when we've talked about mm-hmm. our many qualms with relationships. Mm-hmm. What is, what is co-creating? with someone i think it's the sense i feel there's a lot of the times where we kind of learn about blame like navigating relationships through a place of blaming other people so you kind of start a relationship and then you kind of look at the flaws and then you ultimately say like that the reason why the relationship failed was because of the other person which i'm also not opposed to saying that it was because (laughs) it was the other person (laughs) because it may very well be (laughs) i know but I feel like that's a very like surface level evaluation of why a relationship happened the way that it did. I think that, yeah, ultimately it it is a co-creation. Like it's kind of this, why did I call this person to me? Kind of, I guess, bringing it to this more of like an intuitive subconscious understanding that like, yeah, your subconscious has been collecting data throughout your life. And from the people that you see, they kind of can see that like that person has something that you want, like a quality that you're wanting. And so then you kind of find yourself in a relationship with them. But then ultimately, through the way that you're navigating it, I feel like we don't understand how to kind of keep our sense of self within two. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's almost more important to create yourself first before you try to start to co-create with others because it's not a necessity, but it, it, it helps like the awareness at least of I think that's such a good point yeah and I and again like bringing it back to the media and what we were kind of what we learned and what we watched when we were growing up it was very much not that it was was all about the relationship you should be a chameleon yeah what they want you should become it's not about you it's about them you should become their vision yeah right and that's garbage (laughs) (laughs) I mean we could really get into that and talk about the patriarchy oh yeah let's let's but do it. <laughs> I mean, let's talk a little about that, sure. Yeah. But yeah, because I feel like the, the relationships we see in pop culture and society or uh, mainstream, whatever, are terrible models. Mm-hmm. It's kids. like a male, male serving model. Male serving model, for sure. It doesn't even really largely factor in queer relationships. Yeah. It's, it's getting there more so today, mm-hmm. which is good. But when I was growing up, certainly not. And the ones that I types of things I did see like man woman relationships were there was like yeah no sense of self for either individual mm-hmm. it was all about I feel like all the things I've seen on screen growing up about relationships was always revolved around love which I think is very problematic when it's I don't think relationships are about love I feel like yeah I feel like the it, conversation I, we're having yeah they're like it's selling a fantasy yeah and love is a component mm-hmm. but it's not the be all end all ultimate mm-hmm. thing you're aiming for is to mm-hmm. be in love and love sustains everything and love can never die or whatever i don't think that's true <laughs> because that lends itself to i think a dangerous zone where 
you may sustain a relationship for the sake of love, and that can be very harmful. It's like you're sacrificing something mm-hmm. for this fantasy, as you said, mm-hmm. about love. And I, I really think love has honestly nothing to do with relationships. Like, it's it's a comp- well, it does. It's a component, but it's, there's so much more. Well, that. yeah, the thing is like people use the word love when they're not accurately describing what love is. Right. Because in terms of like the emotional guidance scale, I think number one is love, but they don't use that word because it's so... I feel like it's such a loaded word in our culture. So yeah, people, I think, because love, I feel like is supposed to be unconditional, but through human relationships, it's very conditional, which I get. I feel like we cannot be unconditional lovers totally because that's really hard. That's very difficult. Yeah. If you want that, just get a dog. (laughs) If you do want unconditional love, yeah, your dog is pure joy. (laughs) I know, he is. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so what is love to you then? Ooh, that's such a big question. Um, I feel like, yeah, love to me is something that happens occasionally. Like when you get there, it feels really good and you know that you're kind of going in the right direction. But yeah, it's not something that happens all the time. That's where I feel you know a relationship maybe is not really working out if there is a lot of need to kind of constantly be saying, oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. Because... Are you, why? Do you really mean that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you yeah. accurately, like, what does love mean? I, I feel like... Uh, My I, standards of love is high. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like I, the word, the phrase, I love you, is, I think people see it as the magic words that unlock and make everything better, mm-hmm. always. And that's just simply not true. If anything, I think they make things worse, actually, sometimes, depending the context and what's happening. I feel like it disconnects people from their own sense of creation, though, yeah. because the person saying, oh, I love you, I love you, someone else is feeling, I don't feel that, yeah. I really don't feel it. No. But then they're like, but maybe, maybe? And so then they kind of convince themselves that they're in this sense of love as well. Meanwhile, their gut is like, this doesn't feel right. Like, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. And that's why I kind of wanted to talk about in terms of relationships as well, is this idea of, I, one person explained it so well, and it was this idea of, um, one of the reasons why relationships fail is because people don't s- say what the purpose of the relationship is. Mm-hmm. Also, I think that's kind of a hard thing. It's a hard thing to yeah. narrow down. <laughs> narrow it down. Unless you kind of are more, in- like you kind of have that intuitive connection where right. you can kind of tell, like, what am I trying to get out of this relationship? Because I think most people are like, the purpose of this relationship is so that I can get married, have two kids, mm-hmm. move in together, and be loved retire. Forever. Forever. And not die alone. Yeah. Whereas then, now I'm finding more when, like, I connect to my intuition more, I can be like, okay, well, like, what's the purpose of this relationship? And the purpose is to be like, you're someone that I can be comfortable being myself with, and I want to learn what that's like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so It makes it so much more specific. I feel like I'll know when I'm failing because I'm not feeling comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So you're, so would you say that, like, the co-creating and being with it, it involved with someone is really about learning about yourself mm-hmm. through someone else. Yes. Yeah. There's one thing I said to you the one time where it was like writing a book. Uh, yeah. And yeah. So like kind of think of relationships as two people coming together, but they're both writing their own chapters. Uh, but it's in totally separate books. Like 
you're writing your own version of what's happening. They're writing their own version of what's happening. And a lot of the times we're not reading the pages in other people's stories. So I feel like, yeah, it's about co-creating and is writing, well, writing a book together, co-creating or a chapter at is at least <laughs> checking in with the other person. I feel like co-creating really could be anything where it's you're because even versions of people just writing their own versions, that's still co-creating, mm -hmm. but is that working? Not necessarily. I feel like, yeah, where it's kind of going right is where you're writing your book and they're writing theirs and then you're reading each other's stories and you're like, hey, we actually are writing the same thing. Can, or can we make this little edit so they go better together mm. or whatever? Or it's like if you have to edit too much. I forgot about much, the editing part. Yeah, the editing was a big thing. It's like if you have to edit yeah. too much and too many rewrites, then mm, maybe you shouldn't be co-authors. So <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my God. That was true. Yeah, because it was about the editing component mm -hmm. of as well. Because you could read that person's stuff. And if you have to, like, cross out all their sentences because it's like, no, <laughs> that's not garbage. good. This is not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then that's, too many edits that's so much work yeah and then maybe it happens that like well we've reached the end of the chapter and i kind of don't want to do the next chapter with you so bye yeah <laughs> at war or maybe i do and you write the rest of your books together mm -hmm. but you don't have to mm -hmm. and you certainly don't have to rewrite if you don't want to mm -hmm. yeah it's like what yeah what was the what are you trying to get out of this relationship and i don't mean in a like selfish kind of kind well kind of i guess but not not if you're going to approach that question, it's hard to do it in a way that doesn't come across selfish because what, what am I going to get out of this sounds inherently selfish or one-sided, mm -hmm. but I don't mean it in that way. It's like, what are you both going to get out of this? Mm -hmm. And is it an equal exchange or is one person going to be doing way more work and the other person is like reaping the benefits of that? Or is it going to be equal but it's kind of like really tumultuous and maybe not worth it like there's so many different ways that you can co-create mm -hmm. but i feel like we were talking about this in the car the other day about how this one person you were seeing like is maybe isn't aware that they could be creating with you and mm -hmm. and yeah. and he, he doesn't really see it that way mm -hmm. but then you do so it's like how how would you how would you navigate or give advice to someone to navigate those types of conversations who may be more aware of this co-creating idea and uh, to somebody who doesn't think of relationships that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In that context, it was his default was kind of just, what do I deserve? Like, right, what am I exactly, owed? That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in that relationship, it was very much like there's not really much work that he's doing is just kind of seeing like what am I getting and mm -hmm. yeah what am I getting out of it uh whereas this idea of creating like what is it that you want I feel like he's selling himself short and I find that this happens a lot in the sense that people I don't think they know their level of influence mm -hmm. yeah and so if they really wanted to create something there's a whole world that they could create but again they're either this could be an insecurity thing where they're kind of disconnected from that level of like what they want. Mm -hmm. So they feel like they don't deserve it. So then they don't end up kind of allowing when they do get it, they don't allow themselves to create more of it. Right. Or they think they're done mm. quote done. Like, Oh, I kind of got what I want. So I'm not trying anymore or I'm not mm. putting in the effort anymore or I've obtained all I can get or, or, or as you said, all that I deserve. And that's it. And then it's like, oh, if you're missing. It's like the tip of the iceberg. It's like you're missing so much more that you could have if you if you just approached it in this like more creative way. Mm -hmm. Not to say that people don't 
I mean, if they want to just kind of experience relationships in that other way, again, it kind of comes down to purpose. If you're kind of talking about the purpose together and they're just saying like, but this also requires them to be really honest, where there's like the purpose of this is just uh, sex. Then you go, okay, well, thank you for letting me know what the purpose of this relationship was. And like, I guess if that's all that it is, if you mutually agree, I'm okay with that. Right. Then that's fine. It doesn't have to be. But if I do want more, then. Yeah. Right, there's that conversation. Gotta close that chapter. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Rip it out of your book. Rip it out of the book. <laughs> yeah. Burn it. What about co-creating with yourself and like learning about, like creating your life? What's your take on that? Ooh, I feel like life just kind of creates itself in the sense that you can't avoid it. Can't avoid what? You can't avoid... Oh, you can't. You can't avoid it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I feel like you can ignore it mm-hmm. or you can... Be passive about it. Yeah, or you can, like, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Because ignore it kind of fits, but... Like, unaware of it? You don't know it's an option that you can create your life? Yeah, it's like, because I feel like you could know, you can know that you have this thing that you need to do, but maybe it's you don't feel like you deserve it. Maybe, again, it's like connected to this level of insecurity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you don't know that you have that influence. So in the same sense, I guess, in other me telling other people in relationships they don't know their influence, mm-hmm. this is that same thing. Yeah. But, again, I feel like the way that kind of life works, the way that the subconscious works, is it's kind of constantly trying to get us outside of ourselves and to create things yeah. into the real world, which this goes into the conversations we've been having recently about actually kind of creating the things that you've been wanting yeah because yes the question was about co-creation with yourself with yourself Mm -hmm. and your life yeah and i don't think yeah so i kind of said life kind of creates itself and that you can't can't avoid it but i think yeah again it kind of comes down to figuring out what you're being called to do but also doing that in whatever means is necessary so either following the emotional guidance scale either listening to your gut discovering your muse Mm -hmm. journaling about it like there is no wrong way to do it but it does require you to like stop sit Mm -hmm. check in with yourself take pause take a pause yeah which we don't do these days no (laughs) largely Mm -hmm. yeah so what kind of advice or tips would you give to someone who is in a rut right now with their life as a life coach i feel like just based off of where i'm left off of the conversation we just had I just want to say, love yourself. Yeah, that's so difficult for some people, though. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, and that's very specific to each person, too. Ooh, good point. (laughs) Good point. Okay, this is what I would do as a life coach, because ultimately, I want people to get to that place of like loving themselves unconditionally. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so for people, I feel whatever loving yourself looks like, like however to whatever extent you can allow extend some type of love for yourself. Yeah, try try to bring a little bit more of that into your life. I feel like sometimes it could just be in following that idea to book a session with someone uh, where you, yeah, you're like working on some self-care because ultimately I know how to get to the place of self-love. If they don't, I can kind of let them off the hook. It's like, I see in you what you don't see in yourself. And so at least I'm going to draw you towards me. And I will, in the meantime, be your self-love for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a thought. Because we talked earlier about how humans find it really difficult to love unconditionally. But then you just said just now that, like, to love yourself unconditionally. Mm -hmm. So I feel like 
with relationships, the relationship to yourself should be unconditional. Relationships to other people often are conditional and that's fine. I feel like that's just in the nature of people. So finding a way to be your own dog. Yeah. Like be your own dog and love your dog unconditionally. They love you unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like if you separate yourself into two beings, one is the dog version of you. One is you, conscious you. And love that dog, and that dog loves you all the time, no matter what you do, because mm-hmm. it's a dog, and dogs are amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, getting to that high level of dog. That's a, <laughs> they're enlightened masters, you know. <laughs> they are. Dogs are the best. Yeah. But I guess people know, yeah, like that's something they can relate to. Just kind of see the way that your dog kind of see yourself the way your dog you. sees you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which is so easier said than done. <laughs> But I feel like that's the ultimate self-love type of situation. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a self-love in a vain type of way. That's not what we're talking about. That's mm-hmm. something else. So let's talk about discernment because that's something you and I have talked about a lot recently. And mm-hmm. so discernment, what does that mean exactly in terms of relationships and other people? And, mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel, again, this is kind of connected to the idea of co-creating in relationships and pointing kind of to others for blame so discernment is kind of levels of doing this so i think like the first level is kind of (laughs) you point to someone else and you blame them for the reason as to why the relationship ended Mm -hmm. um so it's this level of judgment on behavior where you're like i know that you do things that i don't like then one of the next steps is like a discrimination level of being able to figure out like okay I know that I don't like some of the things that you're doing and I can like identify down to a very specific detail. So like, I don't like this thing that you do because it like brings this emotion up in me that I don't like, or I know that I don't like this detail and I know that you picked it up from the patriarchy, like toxic, from somewhere toxic. So at least you know now, you're like, I know you have this thing and I know that I don't like it and I know why. So discernment is this... I feel like it's the fi- the way that I was told, it's like the final version of this, where it's the level of, I take responsibility for attracting you into my life, and I do the work, so if it's not something that I want, in a way, I can push it away, but I feel like it's more like this. Your response called me to say something, did I say it? And I think that maybe a lot of the times we don't because we're prioritizing like our brain over anything else or the upbringing that we had, where again, it was like kind of supposed to be, oh, I'm just supposed to kind of like all your qualities and I'm supposed to be more passive when it comes to, I guess, the relationship that we have together. But I think like living authentically, following that voice inside of you, it's very much about if that person said something and it caused you to want to say something back then you should say that thing because then you're actively creating as opposed to reacting but it is difficult because it has (laughs) that high level of spiritual sophistication again it can't really be connected to blame because it's like i take the responsibility for getting that but i also know that now i have a part to play right yeah Yeah. because i attracted this into my life Mm -hmm. so what am I going to do about that? And instead of re- reacting and getting super angry or blaming them like, oh, this person's 
if they just weren't the way they were, then we would have had a better relationship, mm -hmm. which I'm so guilty of. Mm -hmm. But that kind of, instead of thinking that way, it's kind of like, well, this person came into my life for a reason. Like I clearly, as you said, attracted them or drew them in or something. Mm -hmm. And I'm supposed to learn something from this. We're not supposed to, meant to be together forever and that's fine. Um, but what do I learn from this? And then what do I do with that? I.e. what do I create out of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like an example would be helpful. Yeah. Okay. Um, What's an example from maybe your life? Or you can make one up. Whatever. I know. <laughs> and the instances of where guys kind of like they say their version of the relationship. Whereas then, okay, I guess it could be in that sense of even when people say things like I love you. Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe that could be it. Where they say I love you and then you're on the other side of it and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, or, ew. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not true. Like, you don't even know it's me. It's so false. Yeah. yeah. So false. Like, it's a false statement. Yeah. yeah. So then that's again, like, society would tell us that we should say I love you back. That's the acceptable yeah. response. Yeah. And that's usually what that person wants when they tell you that. Yeah. They just want to hear it back. But then what we should do is not say I love you back. We should say, like... Ew. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, so in relation to discernment, it's like, so I've attracted this into my life somehow, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of like blaming this person for saying I love you because of whatever their insecurity is that they said it or it's too soon in the relationship and they're just like leeching on to whatever it is. No, yeah, exactly. It is. No, but in terms of discernment, I think it's, I now know that I called you into my life mm -hmm. and you're saying I love you. And it's causing this feeling response in me that I'm not comfortable with. So it's not necessarily to say that you're blaming them. It's to say that they've kind of caused you to see relationships now in a whole new way that you never looked at it before. Because before you thought it was when someone says, I love you, you say, I love you back. Discernment is now, no, I'm, I choose my own response. I take responsibility. So yeah, now the, that, that's where I would say, you could say back, ew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or I would then kind of encourage people to be a little bit more tactful. Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't actually say ew in the moment. To that would actually be... <laughs> be a little more specific and to go, yeah. I don't think you can say that yet. Yeah. Or I don't feel that. Or how come? Or why? Yeah. Like, We've only been seeing each other for a month. Like, yeah. Because then that's a more truthful response. That's you're now in line with your intuition. Yeah. And you will attract something more truer to yourself now that you've been putting out that alignment in that, in that moment. So, yeah, that brings us back to talking about intuition at the beginning. Because the intuition, it's where you're vibrating on that scale, it's going to bring you. So at the moment, the intuition wanted you in that relationship with this person because it's going to help you to get higher on the list. Yeah. Now, once you're higher on the list, the intuition is more finely tuned to get someone who's more accurate. But sometimes more accurate just means to define what the reason for the relationship yeah. and that the reason for a relationship is not and will never be, period, kids. <laughs> Marriage, long term, right? yeah, <laughs> or exactly. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly. But that doesn't mean it has to be a total surface level casual thing either. You can have a, mm -hmm. I think a, it, you that's can, a good point. Yeah, you can have a deep, meaningful relationship with someone who isn't your going to be your end all be all. That's yes. totally possible and it's fine yes. to part ways after that's occurred. But I think in our heads, we've been taught that once you find that person that is that way, that that's it. 
Mm-hmm. That's the person you stick with for forever. But that might run out. That might expire. That might run its course. You don't know. And now you're married to this person. You have kids. And it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. that happened. So, I yeah. And if that is the case, though, mm-hmm. then now, I mean, this is just like an environment where now creativity wants to be made. Like, it's like, yeah. it's been capped. You've kind of made these decisions where now you feel like you're constrained, but the creativity wants to get out there. This is where your muse is like banging on the door, being like, I'm trying to say something here. Mm -hmm. And I think that you don't have to feel trapped in these types of situations because there's always ways to move and to grow. And you made the decision to choose that person for a reason and they can grow in ways that you don't know. And I think one of the ways of doing that, of, of making the best of that situation and not feeling trapped is to come to that self-actualization, that self, what was the word we used earlier? Knowing yourself, uh, loving yourself, like developing yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the best way. What is the I don't word remember the word. I'm, I apologize. No, it's okay. I don't know either. But what I'm saying is if you're in that, really, that, that situation where you feel trapped and you're with somebody who you've been with for a long time or, and it's maybe grown apart, but you're still really good clearly good friends or partners or whatever and you always will be you there's still room for creation in that i think is what you're saying Mm -hmm. and one of the ways i think maybe you could do that is put the light on yourself for once maybe you've been looking at this person for decades now or a few years or at least and it's been all about them and the relationship and now it's kind of maybe run its course but you're still committed to each other now maybe is the time to turn the light back onto yourself and focus on yourself and what you want to change and develop and create and grow within yourself. Mm-hmm. That's again where that creating, co-creating with yourself <laughs> comes back around. Yeah, the discernment would be the level of, so levels of discernment. On the one hand, you can like blame. You're like, I feel stuck. I feel trapped. Like, mm-hmm. I'm. this is not the life I wanted at all. And I like look around and I can see exactly why. Then you get to that discrimination level where it's like, okay, I take responsibility, I like see the things that aren't working and I do know how I got here. But yeah, then the discernment level is, this doesn't have to be stuck. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, uh, yeah, a a rut or Mm -hmm. there's ways out of that situation without having to terminate it. Yeah, (laughs) but it's also not, I don't think it's ever wrong. And I think that this is like, this is where the work would be so nice. And I feel like so many amazing poems, so many amazing stories would come out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, but only if you connect with your muse or only if you connect with your, whatever you want to call it, your subconscious, your inner voice, your gut feeling. Inner self, all those things. And it could be any discipline, not mm-hmm. just writing. If you're a painter, if you're a musician, you want to write a song or mm-hmm. create something that kind of expels what's going on internally. And also using that method as a way of, of, a, of a, as a means of getting to know yourself better so that you can look at that relationship with fresh perspective mm-hmm. and evolved perspective. Because maybe uh, the, it just, you haven't been creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, feel like, I feel like people f- turn off that creative tap once yeah. they've found, quote, their person. Mm-hmm. And that's like it. I'm done learning about myself. I'm, I've done the work. My, my relationship's amazing. It's I've done the work there. Mm-hmm. I can just reap the yep. benefits now. It's like, no, no. <laughs> Cause you're, well, you're going to change. That person's going to change. You're maybe mm-hmm. going to fall out of alignment. You have to learn how to get back into alignment if you both want to commit still. Mm-hmm. And with yourself too, you have to learn how to be in alignment when you fall out of alignment with yourself. 
like there's I think I feel like the work never ends which I think you know that already <laughs> yeah if you're kind of in that place where you're feeling stuck like I feel like the answer kind of is to create like try to make a new choice yep mm -hmm. yep so I'm gonna wrap things up here um this has been such a good conversation as always. I'll probably have you on again for like part two, part three, part I four. Know, there's so many <laughs> there's, more things. There's we so can many talk things about. we haven't even touched on yet. We have a list, everyone. <laughs> we have a list, and I didn't make it through the list, so James will be back. Is is what I'm getting at. So, can you let us know, or let our listeners know, where can they find you online, and what's like the best way to reach you if they want to work with you? Or yeah, so um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is yourlifecoachjames. Uh, you can also email me at yourlifecoachjames at gmail.com. Uh, I would love to hear from you. Uh, yeah, just send me a DM or send me an email and we can get in conversation. I'm a spiritual life coach. Uh, I would love to kind of talk about anything related to spirituality, creativity, uh, mental wellness. So the types of people and clients you attract or want to work with are, I think you call it soul coaching? Soul affirming. Soul yeah. affirming, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Last question for you that I ask all my guests. Oh. What advice would you give our listeners for living a wild, creative life? I would say, ooh, don't be afraid to do random things that you want to do. If just one day you feel like you just have to get up and walk, oh, you live near the beach. Yeah. Just yeah. like walk, go to the beach and just like spend a day there. Mm -hmm. Do it. Yeah. Don't think yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. Don't think yourself out of it. No matter how weird it might think. Yeah. Or random or whatever. Or random. Yeah. Yeah. Good like advice. you're like, oh, I'm really, I'm really craving a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> pickle day. Pickle day. <laughs> Go get a pickle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go find the pickle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know because you never know, yeah, like w what you're going to experience on the way or who you're going to meet when you're there or the epiphany that you're going to have. Or maybe it's just about enjoying the pickle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eat that pickle. <laughs> yes. I, I think that ties in nicely with like a self-care kind of mentality because I feel like a lot of people maybe have those thoughts throughout the day with maybe a pickle or not. <laughs> whether it's a pickle or not. And, but then they don't. Or like a bubble bath. Or a bubble bath or whatever it is, but then they don't do it because they're like, well, I should really do this instead. And then they forget about it and it's gone and it's gone for another day and that's it. Yeah, so if you want to be wild and creative, it is just about like listening to some of those wild creative those, thoughts. Those wild whims mm -hmm. and just doing them. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it might be too wild, but you'll know that if you t if you tune into your intuition. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. But the ones that feel so right that are like, yeah, I could totally do that today. Yeah. Don't talk yourself out of it. Just do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's lovely advice and a nice way to end things. Thank you so much, James. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That is a wrap for today's episode. Thank you again so much to James for joining me. I cannot wait to have you back on the podcast again because there's so much more for us to cover. If you're interested in connecting with James, you can find all his information in the show notes below. If you're enjoying the podcast overall, please do rate and review. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, and share. All the things that help get it out there, I really do appreciate it. And if you have any questions or comments or topic ideas for future episodes, or if you want to be a guest on the podcast yourself, please email me at emmakivetna at gmail.com. Otherwise, until we meet again, stay wild, stay creative. Mm -hmm.